All right, this is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Ghanem. And with us on the phone, we have attorney Benham Garagosli. Benham is one of the lead attorneys on this case that we've been discussing for quite some time here on Arab Talk, and that's the the attack on academic freedom and on specifically an individual, Professor Rabab Abdulhadi, professor at San, San Francisco State University. There's a court hearing this Wednesday. It's a big deal. And uh, we're able to speak uh, with Benham right now. Benham, thank you for uh, joining us here on Arab Talk. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, this is a long, complicated story, obviously. For our listeners who may not know exactly what this is about, tell us, how did we get here and why are we here? Wow. So I can talk about that for quite a long time, but since I know that time is limited, I will do my best to be as brief as I can. The essence of why we're here is that the tide is turning. And the fact of the matter is, is that Zionists throughout the United States are starting to realize an uncomfortable truth, and that is that they no longer have a monopoly on the conversation of the Israel-Palestinian conflict. And as a result, they are taking much more desperate measures to try to bully and intimidate scholars and activists like Professor Abdelhadi into submission. And if anyone knows anything about Professor Abdelhadi, they know that she is not one to submit to any type of bullying tactics. Exactly. So, um, but they don't know that, obviously, so they decided to bring a lawsuit. And the lawsuit is very, it's, it's somewhat dizzying, actually. We've used the word dizzying in some of our um, pleadings that we've asked the court to dismiss this lawsuit this time around. But at, the, at its core, it revolves around two events that happened at SFSU. One was in 2016, where the mayor of Jerusalem was invited to speak uh, on SFSU's campus. And the stories about exactly what happened uh, differ, obviously, but the plaintiffs in this case, uh, represented by the Lawfare Project and uh, Winston and Strong, which is a very large international law firm, they contend that Mayor Barkat was shouted down by a group of pro-Palestinian students. Right. And then they allege that there was this uh, Know Your Rights Fair uh, in 2017 after the election of Donald Trump where students wanted to have an event that would educate minorities on their rights in a Trump presidency. Hillel was excluded, as they allege, Hillel was excluded from the Know Your Rights Fair. Right, and just, just, for incidents, our, and just for our listeners, Hillel is the Jewish student organization that is actually off campus at San Francisco State. Well... I would actually caution the characterization of calling Hillel uh, a Jewish organization, because that's actually one of the issues in this lawsuit. It's oh, really? The idea that Hillel, yeah, it's the idea that Hillel um, represents all Jewish people on SFSU's campus. Yes. 
and scholars have submitted briefs to the court to show the court that that is actually not true at all. Yes. In fact, it's more appropriate, if I may say so, that Hillel is referred to as a Zionist organization on campus that represents the ideas of some Jewish people on SFSU's campus. Yeah. So they were they were excluded from this Know Your Rights event. That's what the plaintiffs are alleging. Yes. yes. That's the allegation. That's right. So this this big lawsuit happens. It's very very complicated, as we know. And well, it's it's not complicated at its core, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it really just has to do with. Uh, I mean, the 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 plaintiffs have submitted very long winded complaints to the court, which the court was not happy about. Um, if uh, someone were to read the transcript of the hearing in November or the judge's written order that came out some months later, they would know that the judge in this case was not impressed with the plaintiff's efforts in preparing such a long-winded lawsuit that were just so full of irrelevant material. And the lawsuit simply has to do with the Barcott event incident and the Know Your Rights Fair incident. And what the plaintiffs in this case are trying to do is they're trying to blame those two incidents on Professor Abdelhadi. And, of course, they have absolutely, not only do they not have any evidence of any of this, they haven't even been able to allege that they have evidence of this. Right. So, And so we've had to go to court a couple of times now, I and mean, well, this is the second time that we're going to go to court and argue a motion indicating that even if everything that the plaintiffs are saying in their complaint is 100% true, even if we take it for granted that they have evidence for everything that they're saying in their complaint is true, they still don't have a case against Professor Abdelhan. That's essentially the basis of our motion. Right, and Judge Oreck has, has basically said that to the plaintiffs, and he has basically said, you don't have standing. I just don't see it. I'm going to give you another chance to present a brief if you'd like or a complaint. And that's really what we're talking about right now. He wasn't, he wasn't ready to take this. And he basically agreed with, with what your analysis, saying that you know there's, there's really no basis for this complaint. But he seems to have given them yet, isn't this the third chance? Don't we have like a three strikes rule? I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is their third strike, right? <laughs> well, uh, sort of. So they, they drafted their original complaint last year. And in response, uh, Mark Kleiman and I prepared a motion to dismiss. The plaintiffs got the motion to dismiss, or I should say the plaintiff's attorneys got the motion to dismiss, and they said, hmm, um, we're in trouble here because a lot of what they're saying is valid. So they had a right, which they exercised, to revise their original complaint, and they did. And they filed what is called a first amended complaint, meaning their second complaint. We filed motion a motion to dismiss against their first amended complaint, which was heard in November. The hearing was held in November, where the court has essentially said, you know, I don't see it, uh, you guys don't have a case, and I... You know, anyone can read the uh, order the court came out with um, earlier this year. But 
the court gave them another chance. So he just, the judge Orrick dismissed the lawsuit and he gave the plaintiffs another chance. But it's really important to keep in mind that on page 37 of the order, Judge Orrick indicates that he's doing this out of an abundance of caution. Now, the way I interpret that is that the plaintiffs just barely got another chance. Right, right. And so as a result of that particular provision of the order, and also given the fact that the plaintiffs didn't bother to follow any of the court's instructions in revising their complaint this time, we are hoping that the court will not give them yet another chance to come back with yet another complaint. Because if, I mean, you you pointed out, shouldn't there be a three-strike rule? Unfortunately, there isn't really officially a three-strike rule on this type of law. But intuition would definitely say that if a group of people fail the first time, fail again, and then fail yet again after the court tells them what they were supposed to do, and then fail again, then at that point, what's the point of giving them another chance? We're, we're speaking with attorney Ben Benham Agargosli, one of the lead attorneys um, in this, what I believe to be, Benham, one of the probably most important uh, cases in terms of academic freedom in in the last number of years. I mean, this this rivals the Stephen Salida case, in my opinion, in so many ways because of its breadth and depth. And we're speaking about Benham because um, there is going to be another hearing in Judge Oreck's uh, court. It's going to be this Wednesday, uh, August 8th at 2 p.m. We're encouraging people to come. There will be a rally at 1 p.m. ahead of time. There will also be probably a rally afterwards. Benham, isn't this fundamentally, I mean, and I think you 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 kind of put this in, in very clear terms right at the beginning. This is really an attack on academic freedom, number one. Number two, it's an attack on Palestinians and Palestinian faculty and people in the academy who choose to articulate a view of what's happened and what is happening in Palestine from a Palestinian perspective. And the Lawfare Project, as far as I understand it, is basically utilizing the legal system, at weaponizing the legal system to attack Palestinian, pro-Palestinian narratives and Palestinian perspectives. That's exactly right. I mean, we know that not just from the speeches they have made and the statements they have made in public, but also the word lawfare means weaponizing law for a political gain. And the connotation of lawfare is doing that with a malicious and inappropriate purpose. Right. The court is not a place to debate about a political topic like the issue of Israel and Palestine. Israel and Palestine is a very, very important topic. It's, it's a uh, topic that I'm personally very passionate about. Uh, but to litigate it in court is not doing so in good faith on the part of the plaintiffs. And 
what's unfortunate is that they have res- resorted to this type of tactics because they understand that more and more people are becoming aware of what's going on in Israel. They're becoming aware of Israel's war crimes, of Israel's violations of international law, their daily violation of international law. And they are very aware that if they lose the public relations battle in the United States, their geopolitical policy will suffer tremendously if they cannot count on the special relationship with the United States to continue. Exactly. And what we know from the Pew uh, Research Institute that there's been a rather striking change in the opinions about what's happening in Palestine because we see that there's a dramatic change in terms of opinions, leanings, inclinations, depending on age. And as it turns out, if you're un- if you're 50 and under, you tend to favor the Palestinian perspective and have a deeper understanding of what's happening. And it seems like older Americans, you know, above 60 and 65, as it turns out, are the last vestige of this um, undying support of the Israeli apartheid policies and the, you know, basically the colonization of historic Palestine. So I think you're right. This this is coming at a particular time when the tide is shifting. But as you said, perhaps the courts are not the place to do this. However, this is not just a legal battle. And I wondered if you could comment on the fact of the personal cost that it has on the defendant. I mean, the amount of distress, stress, and, you know, utter utter disruption that a lawsuit like this has on Professor Abdul Hadi, has on undergraduates at San Francisco State, because it's not just San Francisco State and Professor Abdul Hadi. This is an attempt by lawfare to attack the BDS uh, movement, the activists in the BDS movement, and it really does exact a toll, even though it the law may not be on their side, but it is costly in other ways. Well, you bring up an interesting point. The goal of this lawsuit was to burden Professor Abdelhadi with a meritless lawsuit to distract her from her scholarship and advocacy for justice in Palestine. Having said that, apparently none of the plaintiffs really knew how resilient of an individual right. Dr. Abdelhadi is. Right. And so it really is an honor and a privilege to represent her throughout this entire uh, uh, campaign. And your point about BDS is also spot on. They have done what they can to repeat the typical Zionist characterizations of the BDS movement, calling it anti-Semitic, calling it, you know, defaming it in the most ridiculous ways imaginable. And of course, they have to distort what BDS actually is. And we have pointed that out in our pleadings to the court, that they have misrepresented the BDS movement. They have taken things out of context intentionally to misrepresent it. And as everyone knows, the BDS movement is not anti-Semitic. Whenever you're talking to anybody who claims that the BDS movement is anti-Semitic, you quickly find out that they have absolutely no evidence to support the claim. Right, right. And 
it's quite revealing uh, that this accusation of anti-Semitism is repeated again and again. It's, it's just repeated to the point of, well, people are hopefully just going to believe it, right? And they're hoping, the Zionists are hoping that no one will question them when they say that BDS is anti-Semitic. But all one has to do is say, well, what evidence is there that BDS is anti-Semitic? And the, the whole argument falls apart. So and it goes also back to one of the cruxes of the plaintiff's complaint. And that is that they're trying to equate criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism. Now, the notion that criticizing Israel constitutes anti-Semitism is as outrageous as the notion that criticizing the Ku Klux Klan constitutes racism against white Christians. And yet that is exactly what they're trying to do in their lawsuit. Benham, I wondered if you could, I know you're not a betting person, but you know Judge Oreck, you see how he has carried on and how he manages his court. What's what do you what do you anticipate happening this Wednesday? Well, Judge Oreck is very professional, yeah. and it's very obvious that Judge Oreck took the time to really read all of the filings in this case in the last hearing, and I believe that he will do that again. Uh, for this hearing, and I'm hoping that the plaintiff's suit will get dismissed, and I'm hoping that they will not get another chance to refile. And to me, that would be the logical outcome, because it's, I'm trying to think of an analogy here, and the best analogy that I can think of, since I, I am representing uh, Professor Abdelhadi, is a student takes an exam. The student fails the exam. The professor tells the student exactly what they need to do to pass the exam in their retake of the exam. The student comes back and fails the exam again. What's the point of giving that student another chance? Exactly. Um, we're speaking, and that's what we have here. We're speaking with Benham Garagosli, uh, co-counsel with Mark Kleinman, um, representing Professor uh, Rabab Abdelhadi, San Francisco State uh, this is going to be another interesting hearing this uh, Wednesday, August 8th at Judge Oreck's court. There will be uh, a rally beforehand from one to two and then a, a rally afterwards. Let, I, I want our listeners to know something, Benham, which is this. I mean, to draw another another kind of analogy of like David versus Goliath, which may be appropriate here in some ways. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a law firm that is, you know, that is representing the, the plaintiffs right now with virtually unlimited resources against you and your co-counsel who are doing this pro bono. This is, this is really extraordinary to see how, despite you know, virtually unlimited resources, you and uh, Mark have been able to, you know, using your amazing analysis of the of the law and crafting an amazing you know response has really been able to you know put this in check it's it's quite remarkable thank you very much so as long as i have you on the line as long as we're talking about this situation i wondered if you could comment slightly off topic 
recently the state of Israel passed their nation state law that basically said that uh, citizens of Israel could, who are Jewish are the only ones entitled to self-determination, even though well over 20% of the Israeli population are not Jewish. They happen to be Muslim and Christian and other faiths and sects. From a legal perspective, I wonder how you interpret a law like that in the modern era. Well, I appreciate the question. It reveals Zionism for what it really is. And to accept the notion of Zionism as legitimate, one has to accept the notion that the rights of Jewish people to that land supersede the rights of non-Jewish people over that land. Now, the nation-state law is essentially codifying that. Yeah. So, in other words, Israel isn't even pretending anymore. And I think that it is interesting to note that even though Israel claims to be the Jewish state, there are many, many Jewish people throughout the world who refuse to allow Israel to speak in their name. And to go further and pass this law, I think, is going to further undermine whatever legitimacy Israel has left. To minimize and dismiss the rights of minorities in their country like this demonstrates that Israel is not this liberal democracy that that organizations like APAC like to portray it as in the United States. I mean, that, that really is the way that APAC approaches this topic. They want people in the United States to think that Israel is basically just the 51st state of the United States, that this is some booming liberal democracy in the Middle East, and therefore the United States has this moral obligation to support it unconditionally. This nation-state law undermines that narrative significantly. And as unfortunate of a law as it is, I think it is quite revealing at the same time. And I think it does show what Zionism really is in the 20th century. That's the voice of Benham Garagosli, co-counsel with Mark Kleinman, defending Professor Rabab Abdelhadi, her attorneys, representing her in the lawfare attack on her, basically, that has had two strikes and is going to be heard in Judge Oreck's court again this Wednesday. We're encouraging people to come out to the courthouse at 1 p.m. The hearing will be at 2. It should be quick, uh, Benham. My anticipation that it'll be relatively quick. And then hopefully we'll have some good news to hear from you uh, afterwards. We really appreciate your time today. We appreciate your dedication and hard work to this uh, to this very difficult task. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor.